This morning, we're going to continue in what we began exploring last week. Um, and what we have begun to explore, as I said last week, it is lengthy. Uh, it's neglected by those who prefer short and sweet. It's shunned by the Reader's Digest crowd. But I do believe in its great length, it also has great depth. It is multifaceted. It is rich scripture. And it is very much worth the time that it will take you to explore. And that is the book of Psalms, chapter 119. That is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And just in case you weren't here last week and you're joining us this morning for the first time in this series, I think it's important to lay a little bit of a foundation and a background before we dig into where we're going to go today. Psalms chapter 119 is comprised of 22 stanzas, each being eight verses long, and each verse has two lines. Each stanza sequentially begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So there was structure to all of David's wordiness. He wasn't just rambling on or saying words that had no significance. As a matter of fact, this is a very well thought out and a very well developed passage of Scripture. In fact, there's tradition in the Eastern Orthodox Church that King David would use this psalm to teach his son Solomon both the Hebrew alphabet and the alphabet of spiritual life. So I mentioned last week that Psalms 119 has some major themes that are running throughout its landscape. And the first one is the one that we dug into last week, and that was David's emphasis on the Word, the Word of God. He teaches us that without the Word, you cannot effectively walk with the Lord. You cannot effectively weather the storm that you may go through or you may be facing, and you cannot effectively war or battle in this fight that we're engaged in. The Word is absolutely essential, and if you have a deficiency of the Word in your life, you will stumble, you will find yourself surrounded, and you will eventually surrender. But just as prevalent as God's Word is in Psalms 119, prayer is also unmistakably worked into the tapestry of this teaching. Yes, Prayer is the most mentioned doctrine and practice in Scripture. Thus the reason we're doing the War Room Bible study right now on prayer. Listen to this. The command to pray is found 250 times in the Bible. And praying specific prayers is mentioned an additional 280 times in the Bible. Prayer is so apparent and it's so weaved into Psalm 119 that I don't believe that we can afford to overlook it or to miss it. And David is very repetitive in discussing prayer. And throughout this whole chapter, he basically talks about three very specific prayers that we should pray. And when you read how many times he repeats these three prayers... I believe that we will begin to recognize that not only should we pray these prayers once or occasionally, but rather our lives should be spent repeating these prayers. So again this morning, I'm not going to read all 176 verses verbatim. I'm just going to dissect and pull out today what the psalmist says to the Lord as he prays. And I want you to ponder that as we read the word this morning. If you'll stand with me all over the house, we'll read the first passage of scripture and then we'll pray and you can be seated. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 12. Follow along with me. Be blessed, God. Train me 
in your ways of wise living. Verses 33 through 37. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me a bent for your words of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments. uh, Part two of the sermon series by the book. Today we're going to talk about prayer. If you will, stretch your hands toward heaven and pray with me once again. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. You are awesome in this place. God, we ask you to speak through your word today. Touch hearts and change lives as only you can. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord one more big hand clap of praise as you're seated today. So the psalmist said, be blessed, God. Train me. Say that with me. Train me. Say it again. Train me in your ways of wise living. The key statement there is wise living. We must all be trained. Many of us need to unlearn some unwise living. And we have to be honest enough to acknowledge our lack of wisdom. Either our parents or our friends or maybe those that we consider as our counselors have trained us and taught us things that are unwise. You know, things like buy now, pay later. Right? You enjoyed it when you bought it, but not so much when you got the bill. Spend more than you make. Engage in gossip. I have to share this with you because I thought it was funny. You know, a few, uh, I guess a little over a week ago, whatever, 10, 15 days, something like that. April 25th, I turned 43. I'm getting so old, I can't remember how long it's been. Amen. But uh, I turned 43. I have this inside joke with Sister Karen because several years back, uh, when it was approaching her birthday, she made a statement that for some reason made me think, oh my goodness, is she turning 60? So I had one of those moments, have you ever done that, where you just blurt out what you're thinking? And I was sitting there and I said, you're not 60, are you? And she went, ah! I mean, uh, I I thought that the wrath was going to come out because she was far from 60 and she thought that I thought she was 60. So we go back a long way. We've uh, In in church, we've spent several years together and we've spent some years apart while we were out traveling in ministry and then while we were on staff other places. But we've done a lot together. And so uh, on my birthday this year, she delivered a care package to the bank. And uh, on the front of that care package, it said, this is your, you're not 50, are you, birthday package. So... She paid me back. But inside that package, she had found back 19 years ago from when she was a youth leader and I was the youth choir director, she had found a skit that she had written. And in that skit, I was Brother Sean and... The skit was about not gossiping. So I had a good laugh sitting at my desk at the bank after she delivered that, uh, reading that skit. And then the thought occurred to me, I'm not sure if she was trying to teach the young people something then or if she was trying to teach me something. 
Because as I read the skit, uh, the skit was about gossip and all of these kids were coming to Brother Sean who should be given wise counsel about the gossip but Brother Sean just engaged in the gossip and found out everything he could find out about everybody that came to him. So uh, as we look at this today, when I say we need to unlearn some unwise living that we've done, you know, people have taught us, how many of you know that person that'll say, oh, we're not supposed to gossip, but have you heard, right? So they teach us to engage in gossip. Unwise living, you know, moving, and I probably won't get a whole lot of help on this one, but moving from one relationship to another, to another, to another. God expected you to find your life partner. But he didn't expect you to have to go on 15 shopping sprees to find it. If you'll pray, he'll direct you. And he'll guide you to the mate that he has for you. And I know this one's not popular, but we've been taught some unwise things and it goes on in the church like living together outside of wedlock. And the list could go on and on and on. And David teaches us to ask God to train us or to teach us to live wisely. So David connects our teachability to our ability to stay the course. If we aren't learning the lessons that God is teaching on living, then we will detour and we will end up, we'll wind up in destruction. In one statement, and I love this, David wraps up what would be the greatest testimony any person could ever have. And I thought about this because today at 2 o'clock I will uh, preach a funeral this afternoon. In fact, this statement says that we should strive, uh, or I think we should strive for this to be the statement that they would put on our tombstone. This is found in verse 34. David said, my whole life, in verse 34, my whole life, one long obedient Response. Did you hear that? My whole life is one long obedient response. David addresses greed and he gives us the insight that there is a litmus test that can be used to show us if we are indeed being trained or taught by God. You see, if we are not teachable, and we live in a day and time where many are not teachable, if we are not teachable, we will spend our life. Lauren, I want to ask you if you will, put that passage back up on the screen, that last passage, the last few verses there, or maybe the last verse. If we're not careful, we will spend, if we're not teachable, our whole life on loot, toys, and trinkets. That's what, that's what David said. Uh, trying to get loot for toys and trinkets. David knew that if we are in fact being taught, we will be able to stay out of that trap. Just leave that on the screen if you don't mind. You see, I think it's pretty easy to see that most of us as Americans are not teachable. Hello? We're just not teachable. We give the most valuable commodity that we possess, and that is our time. We spend our lives in the pursuit of things that really don't matter. Bigger houses, nicer cars, finer clothing, bigger bank accounts, boats, campers, motorcycles, timeshares, and vacation homes. Those are toys and trinkets. Do you hear me this afternoon? All of that is just stuff. 
There's nothing wrong with having those things. But there is something wrong if we spend our entire lives trying to make the loot so that we can buy the stuff. The toys and the trinkets. Because I came to tell you something this morning. One of these days, you and I are going to be up there standing before God and all of that stuff is going to be right where you left it. And then when this world burns, all of that stuff is going to burn with it. David said, if you are being taught, you will give your life for the things that have eternal significance, for the things that have eternal value. You will spend your life and you will spend yourself on what is really important. Somebody say amen. Psalms 119 Verses 64, 66, and 68. I love the the message translation. David says, your love, God, fills the earth. Train me to live by your counsel. Verse 66, train me. I could preach a whole message on this. Train me in good common sense. We have lost good common sense. When we allow people to consider themselves transgender and use a restroom of their choice based on what they think they are, we have lost good common sense. Because if you're a man, I can take you in the back room and show you what makes you a man. If you're a woman, my wife, I won't take you. My wife can take you in the back room and show you what makes you a woman. I guarantee the proof is there. I said I guarantee the proof is there. If you're confused about it, we've lost good common sense. Because when we allow people to make choices like that, and we allow them to use the restroom of their choice, then some perverted old man that's really not transgender, really not confused about who he is, under that covering of the law that we've placed, can march himself right in the bathroom where our teenage girls are using the restroom. We have lost good common sense. Train me, David said, in good common sense. I'm thoroughly committed to living your way. Verse 68, you are good and the source of good. Train me in your goodness. Verses 124 and 125, let love, let your love dictate how you deal with me. Teach me from your textbook on life. I'm your servant. I love what the psalmist said. I'm your servant. Help me understand what that means. We would do good if when we get new converts, we teach them to pray, you're a servant of the Lord now. Ask Him to teach you what that means. And if you'll walk with us, we're going to lead you in Scripture and we'll help you discover what that means. He says, help me understand what that means. The inner meaning of your instructions. You know what he's saying? Help me know what this book is saying to me. Psalms 119 and verse 144. The way you tell me to live is always right. When God directs you, 
The way God directs you will always be right if it's God directing you. Help me understand it so I can live life to the fullest. You see, when you teach me to live in a way that's always right, help me to understand that so that I can live life to the fullest. What did the Gospels, what did Jesus say in the Gospels? He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. What's Jesus saying? I've come so that you can live your life to the fullest. And when we ask God to teach us how to live, the way he teaches us is always right. And when we understand it, we can live life to the fullest. Isn't that good? David says we need to be taught to live by his counsel. He says we should ask God on a regular basis to give us common sense. I wonder how many of us could avoid pain, trouble, and disappointment if we would just allow God to give us some good old common sense. He says, David says we need to approach God about teaching us the inner meaning of his word. Not just relying on somebody else to give you insight, but to dig in this book for yourself. A.W. Tozer said, one of the saddest things, and I think this is so true, one of the saddest things about this generation is that they have had their learning done for them. That is why somebody can take a pulpit and preach a sermon with no passion because I could go to a website and print them off all day long and save myself a lot of time. But unless I dig in this book and unless God speaks to me what He wants to be spoken to you, there'll be no passion. There'll be no zeal. There'll be no fire. And it won't help anybody if I'm trying to do what somebody else has already learned. Do you hear me? It won't help you if all you depend on is what somebody else has already done for you. Get you a translation that you can understand and read it and God will speak to you. Say amen somebody. David then says our ability to live life to the fullest is directly connected to God teaching us how to live. How many of us are living at less than and calling it more than only because we haven't allowed God to teach us that there is more. There is more. In the first service this morning, the, the, the Holy Spirit just began to move during the worship and Sister Karen got up and took the microphone and she said, just in case we need to explain or anybody doesn't understand, and she talked about the Holy Spirit and how He moves sometimes. If you don't understand that, just listen to me. There is more than what you understand. But guess what? Just for those, you and I that understand maybe the moving of the Spirit, guess what? As long as I'm alive, I believe there'll always be more that God has to reveal to me. As long as I continue to read his word, I can always draw closer to him tomorrow than I am today. As long as you continue to pray and study his word, there will always be more. But I'm quickly discovering that very few are really, truly teachable. We say that we're teachable until, until somebody tries to teach us something that we don't like. 
or until somebody tries to teach us something that flies in the face of what we're comfortable with or something that we can't explain, understand, or I like this one, until somebody tries to teach us something we can't accept. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we get angry, we get rebellious, and we get unwilling to learn. And when we're unwilling to learn, we're unteachable. And when we're unteachable, our own arrogance and our own apathy kicks in and we just dismiss that teaching. I believe David recognized not only the great need to be taught, but I believe that David also recognized that there is a great need for us to have divine assistance from God for us to truly embrace a posture of learning and being taught. Did you hear me? It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes God to work with you and us be willing to learn what God is trying to speak through what we might be going through. See, David knew that God's ways, God's thinking is so different and on such a higher plane than ours that we must be taught. Listen to this. David makes some statements in verses 98 through 100 that almost sound arrogant and unteachable themselves. He says that he's wiser than his enemies. He's wiser than his teachers. He's wiser than the elders. However, it's only after time and time again asking God to teach him. Can I tell you this morning that too many of us live our life like we're smarter than everybody else. And we haven't allowed God to teach us. And when we do that, we end up showing this world how spiritually uneducated we really are. When the psalmist prayed, his cry was, teach me. Our cry this morning should be, teach us, O Lord. Also, when the psalmist prayed, he did pray and ask for blessing. Bless me. Psalms 119 and 17 in the message version. He said, be generous with me and I'll live a full life. Not for a minute will I take my eyes off your road. Verse 65. Be good to your servant, God. Be as good as your word. Verse 135. Smile on me, your servant. Teach me the right way to live. That's verse 134. We're on 135. Smile on me, your servant, and teach me the right way to live. I want you to notice the order. Teach me, Lord so that I can handle your blessings. You see, we get, we get the order wrong. We, I want you, if you're writing things down, write this down today. We squander blessing because we haven't learned to steward favor. Let me say that again. We squander our blessings because we haven't learned to steward favor. What are you talking about, Pastor? We spend the bulk of our prayer life asking for blessings. In comparison to praying to be taught and the third prayer that we'll review in just a minute, the amount of time that David affords to the bless me prayers in the middle is very minimal. Now don't get me wrong, David prays for God to respond as you're going to see in a minute. But however, I think the contrast in volume, I only gave you three verses, that's all you can find in that passage. The contrast in volume of blessing request compared to the other elements of prayer is a great lesson for us and a real challenge for us uh, to change how we spend our time in prayer with God. 
What are you talking about, Pastor? Should we not make our needs known to God? Absolutely, we should. Philippians 4 and 6, and they don't have this one on the screen, but it says, do not worry. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need or make your requests known to God, always giving thanks. But listen... I think that our consumeristic mentality, we have not only changed the order that David prayed, but we've also changed the order that Jesus prayed. When Jesus prayed, when he's taught the disciples, pray ye after this manner, Jesus didn't get in the prayer closet and say, start asking God to bless me, bless me, bless me. He got in his prayer closet, what was the first thing he said? He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Day of Jesus said to begin your prayer with worship and praise. He said, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He didn't start out, I need, I want, I need, I want you to do my will. He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he did say, Give us this day our daily bread. But he said, Forgive us our debts as we forgive. Forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, it all belongs to you anyway. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He did not say, When somebody's done you wrong, to get on your phone and call 10 other people and try to tell them about what was done wrong. He said, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those that trespass against me so what we need to do is not take what somebody else has done and run to 10 or 20 other people as a matter of fact I believe that's what Proverbs was talking about when he said these six things the Lord hates and seven is an abomination unto him and seven was he that soweth discord among the brethren so don't go tell somebody else what somebody else has done to you take that to your prayer closet and say God I need you to forgive me and because I need you to forgive me I'm going to forgive them and here's something else I wonder well, let me, let, me, let me finish this first. James 4 and 3. This is not on the screen either. But it, it informs us that sometimes we ask and we don't receive because our motives are wrong. He says you're asking amiss. That means you've missed it. Your motive is wrong. And we're only asking when we do that for what will please us. That's a selfish prayer. And God won't answer a selfish prayer from somebody who thinks they deserve everything they asked for. See, most of the time we start, we feel, and we end our prayers with needs and requests for blessings. Do this. We, we come to our prayer closet with our want list and our wish list for God. God, here I am. Bless me. Do this, 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 and this. And, listen, we can, we can, through the authority of God's word, we can have faith. We can call things that are not as though they were. We can believe that if we speak to the mountain, it's going to be moved in the name of Jesus if God wants it to be moved. But when we 
ask and don't receive, we need to check and see if our motives are wrong. And if we're asking amiss and only asking for what pleases us. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about a lot of people want to get in their prayer closet and they want to say, Oh God, I'm facing this mountain. You said in your word that we could call those things that are not as though they were. And so I speak to this mountain and I command it to be moved in the name of Jesus. Let it be removed and out of my way. In Jesus' name, amen. And we walk away and then we wonder why we struggle and why we fight with with the problem and the situation when what God is wanting us to do is go to our prayer closet and say, Oh God, I come before you today. First of all, I worship you because you are God God I don't know why this mountain is out here in front of me but God if it be your will let me speak to this mountain and let it move but if it's not your will God teach me did you hear me if it's not your will God teach me what you're trying to show me as I go through this teach me how to climb this mountain teach me how to get to the other side and teach me how I can know how to find victory in you whatever your will is instead of praying selfish prayers and ordering God around like he's our little posse that's you know you're preaching against the faith movement pastor no I'm not preaching against the faith movement I'm preaching against the little God's movement who think that we have the power to tell God what to do when God might just be wanting us to say God I don't know why I'm facing this but teach me something through it We don't need to make our personal requests be the bulk of our prayer life. We don't need to ask selfish prayers. And lastly this morning, protect me. The psalmist prayed, protect me. Psalms 119 and verse 25. He said, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. Another version said it like this. Get me on my feet. Get me on my feet. Sometimes things in this life will knock us off of our feet. But God's word and prayer, when we say teach me, bless me and protect me, God's word and prayer will put you back on your feet. Preserve my life according to your word. Did you know that seven times David specifically requests that God preserve him? Psalms 119 and 107, he said, I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Psalms 119, verses 86 through 88. Everything you command is a sure thing, but they harass me with lies. Then he said, help! Have you ever been in a situation in your life when that's what you really wanted to do? Was just get along with God and say, help! I have. I read that this past week, praying about a situation that has me had me stressed to no end. And I read through that, and I was by myself, and I went, whoa, help! I need your help, but guess what? When we do that, when it's not for a selfish motive... When, it's, when we're true and sincere saying, God, help me through this, I'm telling you, you can see God move sometimes through something as simple as just saying help. Because he's the kind of God that when his children, what would you do if your baby was playing out the yard and you heard your baby go, Mama, 
help. Daddy, help. I tell you what you do. You jump up so fast and run to where they were and try to get them when we are distressed, when we feel like we can't go on, when we feel like we're bearing more than we can bear. When you cry, help. Your heavenly father hears you. He dispatches the angels and he says, that's my child and he will help you. He says, they've pushed and pushed. They never let up. But I haven't relaxed. I love this. I haven't relaxed my grip on your counsel. In your great love, revive me so that I can alertly obey your word. Another translation says it this way. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I'm being persecuted without cause. If you will remember one of the most basic and the best prayers that we can pray, that one that God will always respond to for his children is just help. Psalms 119 and 94. David said, save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. Verse 122. Ensure your servant's well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. Verse 134. Rescue me from the grip of bad men and women so I can live life in your way. Newsflash. There's some bad men and some bad women out there. Here's another newsflash. Sometimes they find their way in here. Sometimes they're in the church. But we don't need to take their issues to ten different people. We need to take them to our prayer closet and give them to God. God will fight your battles when you let him. But when you fight in your own strength, you'll suffer the consequences. But when you take them to God... He'll fight your battles. Verses 146 and 47. He says, I call out to you, save me, and I will keep your statutes. I rise before dawn, and there it is again, and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. Long before the enemy's job description was made public in John 10 and 10, you know I've done quoted it, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. David already understood that the enemy desires to destroy you. He desires to destroy those connected to you. And he desires to destroy your testimony. When you take matters into your own hands and you deal with people the way you want to deal with people, he's destroying your testimony. David knew that the enemy wants to destroy you, those connected to you, and your testimony. And so he fills up Psalm 119 with the instruction on the concept of constantly and consistently asking God for help. Listen to this. In 13 of the 22 stanzas, David says, Save me, help me, rescue me, defend my cause, deliver me, and sustain me. Here, as they come to the music this this afternoon, here is a man, David. Here is a man that has armies at his call. Here is a man that has thousands of chariots and horses at his disposal. He has armed guards 24 hours a day. Here's a man that has unlimited resources. 
he should have been able to rest easy. He should have been able to trust his well-being. And yet, even David knew that only God could protect and preserve. He knew that only God could defend us adequately. He knew that only God is truly on guard for us constantly. So many times, so many of us run to everybody else but God for help. We communicate our needs consistently to friends, put them on Facebook. Sometimes needs that don't need to be put on Facebook. We communicate them to anybody that will listen. We trust people to guard us. We trust people to fight for us. And we trust people to do what only God can do. We trust our own defense mechanisms. And what David is trying to get through to us is that we should seek protection and preservation from God. He is able to guard us. He is able to cover us. And He is able to sustain us and keep us when we feel like giving up and giving in. So this morning or this afternoon, if you're under attack, you need to pray, Lord, protect me from the attacks both seen and unseen, expected and unexpected. Because sometimes you're going to see it coming. But sometimes it's going to hit you out of nowhere. And instead of filling our prayer life with all types of requests and want lists and wanderings, I believe that Psalm 119 gives us, a, gives us a much clearer path for prayer. It says our prayers on a daily basis should simply be, teach me so that you can bless me and protect me. But the first thing we got to pray is teach me.